Welcome to Keeping Track, a Trapmania community podcast where I interview your favourite members of the Trapmania community and ask them the same set of five questions. The guest this episode is SRK. Coming off the back of being heavily involved in the World Tour, we had a really fascinating chat about his history with the game, the thoughts on the future and everything in between. Question one, when did you get into Trackmania and what was it that got you hooked? So the first ha- way how I got into Trackmania or how heard about it was when we got our first Camp Family computer at home was that uh, there were some relatives and family friends who gifted some games since I was always, when we were gifting people, I was always asking, can I go to the computer? Can I see it? And at the time, my aunt's husband gifted Trackmania Sunrise and the game ran awful it was running at like six or seven fps uh nowadays especially after i did like some tests on that old pc to see how it was <laughs> being played and everything like that and uh, i really enjoyed just messing around the maps i couldn't really feel the sense of speed i just saw it that like cars and you jump around i thought it was pretty fun fancy but when i saw that you could make your own maps through puzzle mode that kind of really intrigued me so i spent a lot of time just making some random stuff uh, here and there. Remember, my I, I wasn't the most creative at map names. I was calling it like Trasse, Vienz, Trasse, which is, means like map or track one, track two, track three. Then I was like trying to become a bit more creative, figuring different names. Then I called it like school. Then I was literally remember looking around the stuff on the desk. So like pencil, <laughs> that was my, the way how I made my first maps. And uh, I really started to get into it. Uh, so that kind of got me hooked, I would say, when first. So afterwards, when I was introduced to the internet through my grandmother's computer, I was started to Google the games that I owned. And uh, I was remember I took all my CDs with discs and I was just trying to write the names of the games that I had. I did not knew the full subtitles because my English was not that good. And a very important thing then is that majority of games were not in English. They were in Russian or Polish or Estonian, sometimes in Latvian, but it's very rare to, that the games were in English or something like that. Yeah. Or even Latvian. So, But the version that I had of Trackmania Sunrise was in Poli- uh, in Russian. So it used, has the Cyrillic way. So it was like writing like T-P-E-K and I was writing it and since like Google could not recognize, I could never find any images of it. But then through my phone, before I even learned what YouTube was, there was a site uh, on the very early stages of touchscreen phones where I could download videos and stuff like that. And um, and there was like a video of like the game I had and it had like TM as a name. And I was like, oh yeah, TM, let me go to the grandmother's place. I wrote down my notebook, I will write it and see what happens there. And I wrote TM and this shows like trademarks and it doesn't work like that. And I was like, man, what's what's the game called? So I can find more info on it. And then yeah. at school, uh, someone said, uh, have you played Trackmania? And I was like, what's Trackmania? And they were showing my CDs because we showed at school. And they said, oh, that's Trackmania. They were playing Nations Forever at the time because uh, they, you know, they had internet access. I, I was very clueless on the internet, so this is around like 2007, eight. Uh, but then I learned about that there's this weird buggy car and things like that. And then I was interested. I personally didn't like the so-called buddy car or, or stadium, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is afterwards. And um, then 
I was trying to see what was the game that I, I owned, and I Sunrise, and then I saw by looking at Sunrise, saw that there's United Forever. And I was starting to pick up English around that time as well a bit, started to have some basic understanding of things. And uh, I saw it on a store once, they sold, sold Trackmania United Forever in a disc. And we have a thing called Name Days here, which is like a secondary birthday in Latvia. And I asked for him, like, can, I, can this be my present? <laughs> like I already said, I, I know it's like one week away, but can this be my present? I want to really play this because it has all the cars and stuff like that. And uh, my home's computer, I got the game, but I I could not play online. It was still, still Signal Time, which I was just making maps all the time. I was hooked. But then I was started to Google stuff. I knew, okay, have United Forever and stuff like that. And uh, first things that popped up, were actually Tamarillo's online playthrough stuff that he plays the game through Boshartek servers. And I was wondering, wait, how he has a colored name? And I was trying to find how do you have colored names or colored name players? Because I always had the thought process that who has colored name, they're like goods at Trackmania. Mm. And I want to have a colored name as well. Mm. And then it turns out that the Acer team that he played for was a team. And then I was like, wait, so people play like video games against each other and there's like tournaments like I have in like uh, karate at a time and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, this looks interesting. That kind of got me and I really wanted to play in a team. Then I wanted to prove myself, trying to play good. But my computer, nor my grandma's computer could run things that well. Uh, so um, I could, I was kind of stuck with very short tracks and dirt tracks that I made myself. I really like playing dirt. And I was stuck with only very short servers and 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 uh, lol servers. So that's what I played the most when I had the online experience. Eventually, I started to get a bit better to a point where I had no fun with playing with my friends at all. I was just like smashing them constantly. <laughs> and uh, then after like, I remember I started to look into this Acer stuff and then I found about spam, Dignitas, and I started to see, I was like watching like then like Frostbill's news videos, VODs, and I got really hooked on it. And uh, that's how I got into competitive. And that's why my first stuff, I, I really want to follow the competitive side. But around 2015, 2016, I got very, very bored of it because it was the tech was the main competitive thing. And I really, really dislike tech. I like like RPG, lol, mix stuff a bit. And uh, basically around 2019, I was like playing the game here on and off uh, between 2016, 2019. But around 2019, after seeing the TMGL is mixed style maps, endurance, and Bits is playing, who's a Baltic player. I was like, okay, I have to check in back. And uh, I wanted to play back in some events, found some teams, got back uh, into Trackmania scene, uh, got got the chance to finally buy Trackmania to Stadium because around that time I got a credit card because it was impossible to get games before that for me uh, digitally. Uh, so around 2019, I could finally like buy something on online and that's how I got into modern Trackmania scene, basically. That is, uh, that is really fascinating. I think hearing a story of someone who's had to come up against a language barrier to find out more about the game, but also, as you mentioned, not having internet access, um, perhaps as early as as players in 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 other parts can of I, Europe. Can That's I comment something very very fascinating that I have? Since my uh, computer at home could not run the game, I had this notebook where I was drawing tracks in the notebook, and since my grandmother lived like five kilometers away where I am, 
and it's like uh when i was younger it was like a one hour or two hour walk even oh wow and i was really like i'm done with school okay i'm gonna take a bus or just walk to here it's like a good exercise and i i really want to make my tracks in game so it's like draw i learned what the blocks were and i was literally draw i have like notebook filled with like all sorts of maps and then i was remaking them uh, afterwards in game as well so that's a small thing i did do you, also do you still younger. have that notebook yes i do have ah oh, that has to be that has to be tweeted out we need to see a uh I, an image of that notebook i wanted to i honestly i wanted to take it to montpellier to the road championship have like i wanted to shove it off to the to the nadio staff as well but sadly there were only tona was there and i was like ah you know it's not the same i wanted the ones with the you know who were the ones part of uh, Nadio when uh, you know uh, when I was a kid, basically at the time. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fascinating. I, I love that story. I think you're the first player to mention Track Rainia Sunrise um, at all, really, uh, in, in in any of this conversation. So that's uh, that's really good. When you know, with with what you do now, is is perhaps not around mapping um, as much. Do you still do some mapping, or mainly focus on the tournament organizing? Mm, I would say my only involvement in mapping, I'm like trying to test maps, tweak maps, adjust them. So basically just detail them a bit. I know that uh, if I try to, like usually my only involvement with mapping nowadays, I make backup maps for events in case there's not enough maps made. I make like some basic backup maps and that's it. But I basically, like for example, for at the time of having this discussion, uh, for the Baltic Trek Mania Championship, like people made the maps, and basically I'm just like finishing the final details, uh, making sure that there's no cuts, fixing the if there's any issues, making sure that the the visually the maps look uh, based off around the event and uh, things like that. Basically, that's, that's really my involvement with mapping nowadays. Yeah. So uh, the next question, question two, um, is what input device do you use and why? And, I, and I'd like to add to that, how has that changed over time from how you initially started playing the game to uh, to how you play the game today? So I started on keyboard and I'm still stuck in keyboard, keyboard again all the way. But if you are planning on a swip, swapping to a different inputs, probably a wheel, because I kind of want to... I don't know. I find it fascinating. Actually, don't tell this to Granadi or whatever, because during the World Championship, before they arrived, I actually played the game a bit on the wheel. I wanted to test it out how it felt like. <laughs> but uh, there was that. Uh, but a very fascinating, I think, would be thing. Well, I have used keyboards since I was a kid still nowadays. The input keys are completely different. So I started out just playing arrow keys, but around like early 2010s, I was into competitive Need for Speed because uh, I really liked the grip, how the car gripped, and uh, that was uh, basically a thing that I really enjoyed at the time. And there was a so-called Evil's keyboard setup. So in Need for Speed, actually, keyboard was, at the time, was, I think nowadays still, uh, for Underground 2, it's a bit better than wheel, controller, uh, and any kind of analog device. And uh, basically... Since you had so many micro techniques and there's a lot of buttons to use, so I still use, like at the time, I used W to accelerate, E for brake, space for handbrake, and there are a bunch of things like hydraulics, SNOS, around like basically with Q, A, D, and S. Steering was with arrow key left, arrow key right, and up, gear up was with arrow key up, and uh, gear down was 
uh, with arrow key down. So to have an idea. So basically, it's like a two-handed layout. Yeah. And I remember once my keyboard W button stopped working, so I switched to E and R. So I switched to the side. And when I switched to Trackmania, I was like, wait, this is still very comfortable. So nowadays, I still use E and R to accelerate and brake. But nowadays, instead of handbrake, I also have a space, a secondary brake. I use arrow keys still to steer, and I use the up and down instead of for gears, but I use them for cameras. So that's the way how I play it. That's interesting. I like that evolution. Um, I did not know there was a competitive scene for Need for Speed. Uh, that will be my evening's entertainment. I will definitely be Googling uh, Be googling that. Um, w was that then in parallel to your Trackmania experience, that Need for Speed experience? Um, kind of bits. There was a point where I was actually, uh, another fun fact, I learned about MADA from Need for Speed before from Trackmania <laughs> as well, because he was also involved with time attack. He was involved more in the time attacking side of Need for Speed. I was more involved with the rounds play. Usually the match players usually kept an attention what the time attackers do because you could find some interesting lines that you could use uh, for matches and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, sadly, ever since the tournament scene for uh, older Need for Speeds kind of got <laughs> died, let's just say like that, uh, like sadly, my focus went a bit to Trackmania a bit more, but I still enjoyed uh, the Need for Speed uh, events. Also, in th interesting thing, since I was um, about devices, this is a thing not about inputs, but this is more a thing about play style. When I was younger, my, co uh, my computer, as I mentioned, could not really run the game that well, even my grandmother's computer. So I use always the right control to HUD off, because when I was younger, I noticed that um, uh, you could get more frames a second if you have disabled HUD. Uh, and okay. even nowadays, uh, when I still play, even it doesn't matter if it's a serious thing for fun thing. I by default, like my brain just needs to have hot off plates <laughs> because that's just so I'm used to it. Even nowadays, you're one of the uh, one of the, the the curses of all commentators because we try and build up the storylines throughout an event, and we're like, oh, they'll see that they're running behind at this checkpoint, and then we talk to the players after, and they're like, oh yeah, I just play with hot off. So I had no I mean, idea. I do that, switch so. it oh, quick, like quickly for a split ah, second okay. around checkpoints, but basically everywhere I uh, maybe if you keep an eye on the stream, then you can see kind of kind of weird way how I play it. I will. Uh, I will definitely do that. I will. I will keep in. I've, I've just googled because when you mentioned mother Need for Speed mother and I can see he's got so many speed runs and time trials, and that is uh, that is really interesting. Yeah, he was one of the best players in Need for Speed uh, before he kind of went into TM. Well, hopefully one day we'll also get to talk to him and ask him about that because I think that would be quite fascinating to to delve deeper into the uh, into the connection between uh, Need for Speed and Trackmania. So um, there's I actually think... quite a bit of parallel between the scenes. There's the French commentator cousin. Uh, he oh, yeah. was uh, before 2020. He was commentating a lot of Trackmania events, and he was also taking part a lot in Carbon events as well. So interesting. That makes a lot of sense. My Need for Speed experience was was very console based. Um, I, I never really, I don't think I've ever played in Need for Speed on uh, on computer, so I'm, I'm, I've, I've sort of missed that apparent esports scene. Um, question three: What is your favorite Trackmania map in history? So I have um, a bit. Uh, I have two actually. Because I could not really decide who could to pick one. So one of them is Infinity Stones by 
MD points. And I think it was called Victory Royale by Soldier. So those are the two of my favorite maps in uh, Trackmania. What or, is it about those maps that, that draws you to them? Because uh, honestly, if it wasn't for those maps, I would probably not be sitting here. Uh, those were the, my very first maps that got me hooked and got me really, really into modern competitive Trackmania scene. They were the very first maps that I got my first match experience, my first uh, modern uh, event preparation phase, how I got hooked into modern competitive TM. At first, I was very scared to compete, very scared to go a bit deeper. But basically, those two maps made me click. So the first map was Infinity Stones, was the first map where I ever played a Trackmania match that I played and I won as well. Yeah. And uh, and uh, the Victory Real was uh, the second map of that same match. And it was the very first map where I actually practiced for a Checkmania tournament. So, and uh, I've, I was very thinking about those things. Maybe if there were maps a little deeper, but those two maps I feel like have been causing my biggest, let's just say, impacts in my Checkmania like uh, experience. So, which which Checkmania game is that in then? Are those TM maps? Is, that is Trackmania 2 Stadium. So that was where you where you really dived into the esports side of things. Yes, then. that is around uh, the maps were released approximately around like May or June of 2019. Interesting. So uh, obviously, you know, you've done a lot in esports uh, since then. Uh, so it's interesting that was the spark, and then uh, we, we've we've seen quite a bit since then. But uh, yeah, I'll definitely take a look at those maps. I actually own TM2 Stadium. When people choose a trap mini game, I don't own. I get a bit sad because I can't jump in and take a look. But uh, no, I'll definitely uh, take a look at those maps and and give them a go. Um, question four. If you were to take part in a Trackmania Pro-Am event, which celebrity would you want on your team? I'm not too sure if that's a celebrity. I would probably play it for low-key for fun or people mm -hmm. who... I have a problem where during events, either I want to take it super, super serious if I have a gently chance to win, mm -hmm. or uh, if I don't have a chance to win, then I just want to have fun and just waffle for hours and hours with the other person or team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so since I would probably not win in a pro-am event, uh, I would. I have actually two sides. So from the esports circles, I have. Uh, I would probably would love to uh, play and and waffle with. Uh, with Lawler, uh, who is was originally one of the first commentators from uh, Rocket League, but has also like multi does stuff in multiple games. But he also does a lot of event consultancy for a lot of uh, esports organizations, and he's very knowledgeable of majority of esports scenes. Mm -hmm. And I just find it very fascinating to talk with him. The other person would probably be Richard Lewis. I just like how real he is with a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I would love to have a discussion from them. Those are two people from like the esports side of the circle. Uh, the second one will be some, like uh, probably no one here will know about a person, but it's called Ariel Torres, who is um, uh, a karate athlete. He looks like in karate, especially in kata discipline, where uh, which is like my main specialty. Basically, you have to have a close to perfect body to even be able to do everything, oh, wow. and uh, you have to be strong enough fast enough and agile enough so you have to have high level flexibility be very jacked up but at the same time be very very fast uh, and uh, he looks like the super scary guy 
but is an absolute geek. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I feel like that would be awesome. He's actually got, uh, was one of the fastest improving athletes during 2010s in karate and um, was one of the, I think the only decent athlete uh, from US as well. So um, I kind of would love, just love to play with him and waffle with a lot of things. Also, he has a massive Pokemon collection, which is also a very bizarre thing. <laughs> that's, that's also a side note, especially because the high-end athletes uh, in karate train like basically full-time, like five to eight hours a day just training. It's generally ridiculous the amount of time they spend training. That's, that's, that work ethic would uh, be interesting to see how that applies to Trapmania. If, if yeah, given, because a lot of people who, a lot of people who are very good at sports or any other other game, they they know what is like the stepping stones, how the preparation needs to be done, and they can improve at uh, a lot of things very very fast. So uh, it, it, this is a a basic sports psychology thing. If you can improve at one thing, then you can immediately become good at anything else. So yeah, I think I think a lot of good athletes good competitors uh, are good at learning and that's their primary yes. skill really and that's transferable and preparation for sure yeah. i'd be i'd be uh i i don't want to miss the opportunity to uh to to flex my uh previous work in esports where in uh i've actually worked with richard lewis um oh. and, and done a lot of uh done a lot of the work for a lot of no majors club stuff doing graphics and uh, assisting with production on that um, as well as doing uh, a lot of the podcasts that he currently runs, doing the branding and the assets for that. So uh, that's nice to have someone picked who I've uh, previously interacted with. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about Richard. I really enjoyed when when I got to work with him. He's a fellow Substack uh, publisher. He probably has a better mm -hmm. Substack than mine, but uh, is a fellow Substack publisher um, and 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 really uh, was, was good uh, for me, uh, giving giving me some freelance work when perhaps I wasn't as qualified to do it as uh, perhaps I needed to be, but, but helped me get my start in doing a lot of production stuff that I now use today. So uh, big shout out Richard Lewis and uh, yeah, big, big fan of his work. Controversial figure, Likewise. but I think uh, very, very kind uh, in, in the background, which a lot of people don't see. Uh, question five then, um, what is your Trackmania hot take? I have many. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling you may. Uh, I think I could go with the biggest one. Mm -hmm. um, the I feel like one. I hope. Um, I feel like that's the rise of virtual, because completely impacted the esports scene in a negative way. Because previously, the main drive from competitive scene around Trackmania and everything around it was directly competitive events. Mm -hmm. But with his rise, there was a very very noticeable shift towards uh, uh, time attacky side of things. Yeah. And uh, to a point where I have even spoken with a lot of non-endemic people, it has made it very, very way harder to get events going than it was even in TM2 Stadium. And even like the competitive like scene size is uh, just tiny, tiny, tiny bit bigger than it was in TM2, I feel like due to some of this kind of stuff. That's kind of one of my hot takes. So, uh, you know, just to, to expand on that then, uh, why is it, and, and I, I do, I feel sorry, virtual, if you are listening, this is two weeks in a row that you've uh, been the subject of this section. Um, but what is it about his presence in the scene that is drowning out what you perhaps see as, as a space for more competitive events? 
Well, right now is that there had been like, sadly, from my experience, there had been many instances where I was getting some brands in. Um, this is mainly for global events. If I just do like aim for Baltic level, then it's fine. But if I try to get like partners, sponsors or something like that in global level, then when I do like introduction of Trackmania uh, around uh, the circles, uh, how things work like, who are the big you know, people, who, how it works, everyone immediately jumps to virtual. And I know that they have reached out to them because I have seen some things and uh, and most of the time it doesn't work out or there is some partnership that starts to be done with that side and it's usually not done that well or it's very, very half-assed and, uh, and uh, that happens way too often and uh, this is something I have uh, noticed in this kind of way. Also, like uh, recently his attitude, a lot of competitive events just uh, gently like missing out on being like the only broadcast for Ascension events and not being there for the broadcasts, uh, misleading his uh, viewers based off with, uh, with titles on YouTube as well. Um, I think uh, during the latter stages of, uh, of Grand League as well, there was a lot of, uh, well, basically he like didn't put any attention to the World Championship as well, for example and uh, many other like some small uh, netpicky stuff here and there honestly i i don't have anything against him it's just uh, I, I think the thing is if he were in like swapped roles then i would probably make a lot of content for competitive side and i feel like then the time attack stuff would be mm -hmm. a bit more tried out but we're we're on a timeline where it's the other way around a bit and uh, that's kind of one of the situations to kind of in a simple form to kind of explain it yeah i mean i know that um so very involved uh with the world championship particularly with production that was uh how i got introduced to you was was through that production um and we did a lot with tmcl um i i worked particularly with newer and twiggy on that and there were times where i felt like our tmcl production was really really good i think we put on some really good shows not just myself the other producers that were involved as well um and then we would perhaps find ourselves looking at tmgl uh, not being hosted on the Twitch channel of Trackmania and the production would not be as good. And, and that was frustrating as as we were doing like the feeder league, basically, and then handing it over to a, a slightly less polished broadcast. Um, yeah. But I think what you said is, is sort of my interpretation, and unless I'm told otherwise, in that virtual isn't as big of an esports fan. That might be because it doesn't drive viewers as much as the more, you know, khaki events deep dip type stuff um but you know the power that that he has had on the scene uh particularly uh through the work with nadio and in, in, in tmgl and then then will tour uh i think is is concerning um and you know who knows what it's going to be like next year but uh i think left trap mania in a slightly worse spot than it perhaps would have been at the end of this year had all the events been on on the trap mania twitch channel yeah, probably we'll have to see how things will look like in practice. And because uh, um, my assumption, he will still do like events here and there, but also be just do, you know, as his own private stuff. Uh, actually, there was a thing where in early days when Open Grand League was a thing, he was actually competing a lot and trying to get into tournaments. But like, like he understood that he needs to train a lot mm -hmm. for that to be the case. And he just understood that's not for him. And also you get to see how a lot of people don't really haven't seen like virtual before he was like popular as well so before he had like this content you know boom 
he was just known as like a pretty good like cotton rpg player and playing stuff like these khaki lunatic maps and he is just stuff that he generally enjoys around the game mm. it's not like he just doesn't care about this person i feel like he just wants to do stuff that he generally likes around the game and that's those are just his niches since he has the follower base around him that's why those niches start to get such noticeability with that as well yeah and 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 that might with uh the the uncertainty around next year that that might even give him and give everyone else the the freedom to explore their niches a bit more uh i'm, I'm a huge advocate for niche events i like mini rpg of the week i like the ultimate event they're doing i mention it almost every episode i like you know when we have you know uh the t tm 24 hour event or the full speed championship i think the more we can niche and, and provide tournaments for those niches the uh the, the better uh the uh the final final question so the hidden question unique to each guest um is somewhat related to this uh but i know that you're working on a lot of events uh for next year uh which event are you most looking forward to working on in 2024 That's a hard question. Um, this sounds very bizarre, but probably the future Baltic leagues. Um, even though I did paint a, with a bunch of events like the country championships, the fast point league, and some other solo events, there's just. Um, reason why I'm focusing on the Baltic League, it sounds a bit weird and stuff like that, but basically what happened is that during the last two years, like Trekmania, due to all the events I have done locally, with uh, even with me and Kim doing the Comic-Con Baltic stuff, with some other assistance with other esports projects, not around Trekmania, because I'm assisting some local... Uh, CS scenes a bit as well, and uh, helping consult doing some assistance for some sim racing stuff so they get their events a bit more uh, cleaned up. Let's just say that's one way to say it. Mm -hmm. um, due to that, there is a lot of like interest in Trackmania, and I have very, I guess, low key ambitious plans on how to aim with and what I want to do with the Baltic League for uh, 2024. And um, I'm very, very looking forward to if it will happen. If not, then we'll probably continue in the way how it was. But there is a very high room in a very unique way. I really don't want to share with the specific details, but it's um, it might be very, very fascinating outcome. But that's more like for the local level. Also, I'm kind of want to do see how the fast point league turns out because I want to treat it more of as a thing so people have something to play who want to be competitively oriented a bit more often. So first I want to test it out as a basically a TSC, extended TSCC using the 2v2. But um, afterwards, I kind of want to just make it into a, like a CS-like ESCA system where you have just a massive league and everyone just can play against each other and slowly turn it in that direction if people are interested. I find the, um, just to go back to the Baltic League stuff, I find that really interesting because obviously we're both um, quite involved in very regional scenes um, with my experience with the uh, British and Irish Trackmania scene and, and yourself with the Baltics. Um, one thing that we've struggled to do, uh, I, I'm saying we very generously, I, I, I don't get to involved too much in the tournament organizing, but I do 
hear conversations and and and, and give feedback is arrange a LAN event uh, and and do a LAN event in a way that makes sense and and it's something that we're constantly sort of pushing towards but feel very very much like it's it's a struggle have have through the Baltic scene have you done LAN events in the past and is that something you want to explore further in the future or is it also mainly just online we even have televised events <laughs> oh wow uh we even have those as well uh, uh in 2022 so but there was a bit of a mess up because honestly due to me being involved in rotor potentially we could have already done the things that were planned basically the things that was wanted to do with baltic scene got postponed completely by the year due to involvement in rotor mm -hmm. and but honestly loki it might have been a godsend because during the last no this year's summer uh there was a fancy meeting that was happening with a lot of like important esports people around baltic scene and especially latvian scene and uh basically we right now what it's looking like that Chuckmania is way up there in the esports food chain in Baltics than Rocket League right now. Interesting. To give a for a context, it's like Loki at the big big boys table. Yeah. As I uh, joke around, but at the same time, I have a lot of a lot of pressure because there's a genuinely a lot of local interest from a lot of non-endemic people. I bit mm. joke around with this that there's more non-endemic people than the players are in interested. <laughs> uh, and um, sorry, not more endemic people than we have players that are yeah. interested. Uh, and um, we'll just see how uh, things will turn out uh, with that. What is it about the Baltic region then that lends itself to so much esports excitement? Because I feel like, as someone who's who's grown up in the UK, um, esports has always been and continues to be very niche and not something that yeah. permeates. But from what you're saying, and you know, uh, from your experience it seems a lot more popular in, in the Baltic countries. It's not really popular. It's because esports is so dead here that basically it was very easy for Chuckmania to have it in a high noticeability. Um, and basically we told, since most of the top games here are just shooting ba based ones mm -hmm. and all of the brands partners want to do like esports events, but since they don't want to be associated with shooting stuff, so there's a lot of eyes that Trackmania does with that. Yeah. So the uh, and, uh last the last resort, I guess. Not really last resort, but uh, there's a lot more attention. The main thing right now is that a lot of the brands partners want to have just something genuinely stable and then they want to jump in. And I there I generally have spoken with some well, probably it won't make sense, but if there's someone from Baltics, basically with very basically with majority of biggest companies that we have here, I haven't had discussions with, um, in some kind of form, either in a potential contact as well. Like even this weekend and this Sunday, I'm literally was invited to one party as well. <laughs> so <laughs> due to those things, so we'll see what uh, it basically due to its being uh, non-violence. Yeah. And being potentially very brand friendly and people want to kickstart esports. It's, it's Chuckmania is in a very unique position where it can happen to be the biggest esports game in Baltic States during next two years. And I kind of want to push that. And that's why I don't, I want really want to use this opportunity properly um, for that to be the case. At the same time, I had been also assisting the CS people so they can grow their leagues and events as well but uh, 
even might not Trackmania not be be one of the biggest ones, it can be really elevating esports scene. It can gently be in a massive popular game with that vision as well here locally. Well, uh, fingers crossed. It'd be really nice to see. I think one thing that our current esports state of of sort of esports winter across the whole globe has, yep. has proven is that that hyper regional that uh natural regional esports as opposed to sort of forced geolocation the overwatch league and call of duty tries um has sort of kept many things afloat uh, i think the lec is in a much better position than the lcs for instance in the league of legends context uh, and i think having organizations like in france with carmine corp and uh the, the g2 in spain and, and and all of these not necessarily nationalistic, because that puts perhaps a tone on it that we don't want. But regional pride um, has carried esports through at least this first phase of esports winter, and uh, hopefully it will it will continue on. Um, thanks a lot for your time today, us. Okay, it's been great to have you on. Um, is there anything you would like to uh, tell the audience about before we uh, before we head off? Um, honestly, I just want to see more people uh, being involved with the competitive scene, either as a player as a commentators, uh, admins, just have more people involved with it so we get more and more cool events happening either in local levels or globally. And uh, people just need to, you know, try out, let me just host something for my local scene or I want to try it out and just hit up a DM. I want to be involved with this. And uh, especially now, since I have a bit more free time and I have a dedicated time of day, I have assigned in my <laughs> daily schedule I want to assign this much time in Trackmania every day and um, just so I have a very nicely balanced schedule to give some chance opportunities for people also be involved with the scene. And I generally think that it might seem that I feel like 2024 might be a bit of organic check for the esports scene just to see how gently will be what will be the organic interest looking like and how the things will be uh, seeing. But um, I really hope that also people will check out the Fastpoint stuff, check out other people's events, watch them play the events that myself or other people host. And uh, like uh, TM just has a more of a competitive side is also represented throughout the scene and throughout the other games well as well with that. All right, that's uh, I think we can all agree with that. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm sure this will be an episode that people enjoy. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Keeping Track. To listen to other episodes of the show, you can visit our Substack at www.nodal.media or you can search for the show on your preferred podcast apps. You can follow the show on Twitter at Nodal Media and even follow me at A. Thomas Davis. For the month of December, we are supporting the BITM charity event, Boomers v Zoomers. Be sure to check out the British and Irish TM Twitter and Discord to get information on donating to Mind and Samaritans and tune in to the event on the 17th of December. Thanks for listening and see you all next time.